Welcome to Black Executive Podcast, where we share inspiration and actionable advice for Black creatives going pro. I'm your host, Jazz. With each episode, we'll chat with Black creatives thriving in entrepreneurship, corporate careers, and the nonprofit sector, all while building a network of Black creatives, six head nods apart. Enjoy the show, where the dreamers become doers and the aspiring become inspired. Let's get started. What's up, y'all? Happy day. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jazz, and today we'll be talking to Chanel, celebrity features writer for XO Nicole and host of the Chat Podcast. Welcome to the show, Chanel. Hey, hey. So happy to have you. I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. I've been watching your career just blossom for a while now. Um, so before we get into it, can you just talk a little bit about your background and how you got into the field? Um, well, my background is that I'm a bona fide Southern church girl. So that's like a very big part <laughs> of my identity. Um, I'm the baby of my family, but I don't think that's the type of background you're wondering about. So I'll go to the <laughs> professional route. Um, I've been a writer ever since I was a little kid. I still have a lot of notebooks and folders filled with stories and characters and poems and you know things that I wrote back when I was like 10 8 5 um so that's always kind of been been a part of me um but I didn't really take my writing seriously up until 2017 when I scrolled across I was actually on Instagram and scrolled across mm -hmm. um Jean Ellie who plays Amaldi on uh Issa Rae's Insecure ah okay yeah that's my show yeah, so I, I love him. He's such a great guy. I actually scrolled. I was on the Explore page on Instagram and his profile popped up and I was like, oh, he that's the guy. Like, I remember him. And so we just kind of, you know, organically interacted from there. And then that was about spring of 2017. And then about the fall, I was actually in college and one of the I was taking a writing class. And one of the first assignments was how to write a profile story on someone. And I was like, oh, well, this is really cool. And then I was like, John's pretty cool. And I always wanted to get a byline with Exo Nicole. So mm -hmm. I was like, I'll just reach out to this guy and see if he'd be down for a conversation. You know, there was no guarantee that I would, you know, it would publish anywhere, that it would go anywhere. But he obliged anyway. And so that's kind of how the whole celebrity thing started. He was the very first one. And it just kind of blossomed from there. Wow, that's nice. So it actually started from you writing for like an assignment and you landed this gig you didn't expect to land. Oh, wow. That says a lot. Yeah. And it actually it wasn't like they didn't assign it to me. It was literally just like my own. I think he's cool. I hope he'd mm -hmm. be down to do this. And he was. And I pitched it to them, sent them the whole full draft of the conversation. And they were like, well, this is amazing, you know. And so that's <laughs> how that door opened. And then I did two more directly after that with um Sharonis J. Jackson, who's also on Insecure. He plays Dro. Mm -hmm. And then um uh, wrote Timmy from Power. And so they were like, all right, well, we need you on the team because we don't know how you're getting all these people. Wow. So they kind of oh, so after you just kept doing these, then you ended up going into this role actually formally pretty much becoming like a celebrity writer. Yeah. So I gave them those three articles like kind of on a back to back thing. Um, 
And then Nicole herself, actually, she um, we had a little email exchange and she ended up calling me on the phone and she was like, girl, who do you know in Arkansas? You know, <laughs> who are your connections? Like, who do you know? And I was like, girl, I know God and God knows everybody. So that's that's all you need to know. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. That's nice. Um how were you able to land those interviews as kind of basically just at that time, just being a college student? Like what strategies did you use? It was basically um, I did a lot of research on just kind of how to formulate a pitch that sounded legit. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I always try to tell people who, you know, want to know how to reach out to celebs, I always tell them, you know, at that time I didn't have any I think actually you know what I take that back I was about to say I didn't have any bylines to my name but I did I had written a couple articles for Blavity before Mm. that so I was able to kind of leverage that a little bit and say hey I'm a freelance writer you know I've written for Blavity and I would really love to you know talk to you about your acting journey insecure da 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 and then I was like you know my hope is to pitch it to you know Exo Nicole this is what they're about I can't guarantee anything but you know, I would love it if we could sit down and have a conversation. And he just, he said, yeah. <laughs> and Sharona said, yeah. And Rotimi's publicist said, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with you sounding like you know exactly why you want to talk to that person and not just, mm-hmm. you know, going after it like a, oh, you're a celeb and I just want to talk to you. Like, you have to really be knowledgeable about what projects they're doing, what projects they have done. Mm-hmm. And just really, really make sure you know what you're talking about. That's that's like the biggest the biggest thing I could tell anybody, even if you're a novice, even if you're just starting off. If you format your email that way in a way that it shows that you care about that person, you're knowledgeable about, you know, what they have going on, then. You know, I can't it's not a guaranteed yes every time, but it's a high Mm -hmm. probability that your email will at least get read. Right, right. Because you're letting them know you're doing your background research and you read up on their career and you sound like you're genuinely interested in, you know, interviewing them and not just being like a, a fan or just standing. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <time>. Yeah. <laughs> and the outlet that you plan to, you know, again, I, you're planning to pitch pitch it to this outlet. Um, and, you know, in some for some publications, you can pitch the outlet first. Like mm-hmm. I could have pitched Exo Nicole first and said, hey, you know, I think John Ellie's a good person for Exo Man. He's on Insecure right now. I think he'd be really interested to talk to. And they they would give me the green light and say, hey, yeah, go ahead and reach out. But in this instance and in a lot of instances over the three year career I've had, I've reached out beforehand mm-hmm. and just kind of told them after the fact, like, hey, what do you think about so-and-so, so-and-so? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I think he's like, he's real cool. And I'm like, great. The interview's tomorrow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Already done. That shows a lot of initiative, though. And it shows that you're you're hungry for your work. Yeah. Nicole has definitely, she, you know, she's a great boss, a great um, person to work under. She really does believe and live and breathe the moniker of Black Girl Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's definitely yes. told me before, she was like, you know, I love the fact that you always take initiative. You're never like sitting around waiting for anybody. And I'm like, no, nah. right. <laughs> that's not me. That's never been me. Yeah, that's excellent to have that kind of relationship and that kind of reputation. Um, going back a little bit to like you pitching, are you I heard you say email. So how are you like emailing people all the time? Do you hop on IG? So you're not like 
using social media or you're going around and talking to people's publicists? Like, I'm just so curious about how you kind of got into this door before you were officially um, a celebrity writer. Yeah. So a lot of it at the beginning was definitely it's still mostly email, um, but a lot of it at the beginning was definitely emails and social media DMs. I'm not one that's afraid to slide into somebody's DM. I don't care how many followers <laughs> they have. In the DM. <laughs> like, I don't I don't care. Like because and again it goes back to what I said. You just have to sound like you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you just say hi, you know, hey, I'm a big fan. I really love your work. You know, can we talk about that or that? To me, that's not the right approach. Mm-hmm. To me, if you go in and be like, hi, my name is, you know, Chanel, I'm a freelance writer with Exo Nicole. Um, you know, I write for this section where we look for these type of people and we think you definitely fit the bill. You know, I'd love to talk more to you about da 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 da. And then they're like, okay, wait a minute, Will. She she knows what project I did or what project I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the premise of the of the section really aligns with something, you know, that they feel for themselves. So I think that's you just you really have to know what you're talking about. And if you don't know, like, play it up. Right, right. It's it's definitely so I've definitely done many a DMs formatted in a similar way to that. Definitely a lots, lots of emails. Um, it is a bit of a hustle to try mm-hmm. to find these people's uh, publicist information because the publicist is the person that normally handles all their um, press opportunities and, you know, interviews and things of that nature. So it's definitely mm-hmm. a lot of email correspondence with the publicist. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and act like, I'm DMing the publicist. I'm not DMing the publicist oftentimes. I'm oftentimes DMing the actual person. Yeah. Whether or not they read it, that's, you know, neither here nor there. But like I said, I'm never afraid to slide in somebody's DM, at least for an introduction. And then they'll be like, okay, well, I like how this sounds. Here's my publicist email. I'll have her email you or him email you or email them the details. And, you know, let's let's go from there. Right. Yeah. I'm sure it it helps too. If you, now that you like are established and you have a profile on XO Nicole and you can easily like link to that too, and they can look you up or whatever to know that, oh, she's legit. Definitely. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Some of them, some of them will ask um, for like when I do do pitches via email, some of them will ask for some previous, previous work. And so I just send them a couple links of, of some of the stuff I've done because, you know, publicist time is short they don't always have time to just shift through Mm -hmm. and sift through um you know all the articles I've done so they just want to see some examples of you know where where I'm trying to go with this particular interview and once they're like okay this this is safe it's all right it's nothing controversial we'll do it yeah yeah that's a good point too you have to really establish that trust because especially with celebrities there are so many publications out there that are always looking for a scandal mm-hmm. so <laughs> you have to let it be known like no that's not what I'm looking for mm-hmm. you know we're putting out quality content definitely and the people the people care like I know I've had conversations with a couple of my girlfriends and they're like I've read you know several interviews of this same person from other outlets and they were like, the writing was horrible. They didn't really, it didn't seem like they were listening to the celebrity. I'm like, yeah, but it, there's a difference. There's going to be a difference because we actually care about the people that we talk to. We actually right. want them to resonate with our readers and we want to connect with them. It's not just, 
just a, you know, it's a job, but it's not just a job, at least not for me. I can't speak, speak for anybody else, but for me, it's about connection and it's really about establishing, you know, a nice relationship, a nice working relationship. Yeah, for sure. And I know it has to be a key part of it is really capturing the essence of the person you're interviewing, you know, uh, because like like you say, your friend said, some people are just asking questions. They don't really care about really capturing who this person is in an interview. They just want to say, I interviewed this person and, you know, throw it across whoever's desk and get their brownie points. Definitely. And they... um. I think a a large part of that too is also just I think when when I look at a lot of celebrity interviews there's oftentimes the same question asked different ways. Mhm. And that gets tired if it gets tiring for me to read I'm sure it's very tiring <laughs> to answer. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's also where Exo Nicole stands out is that even though you know, a lot of the Exo Man content kind of skews more towards love and relationships. If you really think about it, not a lot of their regular interviews touch on that topic. So we hmm. automatically stand out because we're coming at it from a different angle. Because hmm. they're always talking about what movie they're doing, what the characters mean, how it's going to connect right. to the audience. They're always talking about that. But nobody ever, you know, comes to them and sits down to be like, hey, what are your love languages? You know, nobody's mm-hmm. asking a celebrity that question. So they get to have a different type of conversation for a different type of outlet. And I think they really appreciate that. Yeah, especially, you know, thinking about actors when they have to play these roles, they're always like in character. And so I'm sure their interviews a lot of times, like you said, skew towards the particular character and not about them as an individual. Yes, definitely that for sure. Okay, Um I heard you mention Blavity, so I kind of wanted to roll back to that uh, because you were able to use that to kind of pitch to Exo Nicole. How did you start writing for Blavity? So the really cool thing about Blavity is that they have, and it's been a minute since I've written anything, so I'm not quite sure if they still have this, but they had a section called, um, I think it was Community Submitted. And what that basically was, was if you signed up for a profile on Blavity and you could write a whole story, you didn't have to pitch it to anybody. You could just write the entire story and submit it and hmm. as a part of the Blavity community. And okay. they either accepted or didn't accept it. And, you know, uh, luckily for me, my first three articles that I, I wrote on there all got accepted. So it nice. was just that easy, but it was under the flag of, you know, community submitted. So it wasn't like I was officially on as a Blavity writer or anything. I was just a contributor, if you if you want to call it that. Yeah, that's still, um, you know, like uh, an opportunity because, like you said, you were able to pitch that to Exo Nicole. Like I did some work for Blavity, even if it was community, and and that's a huge first step anyway. You know, a lot of people say they want to write or, um, you know. Uh, write for publications and they may not have the courage to do it or they may just say I'm just going to do my own blog you know instead of pitching content for a major publication that's going to already have a fan base I'll just start a personal blog instead so I still think it takes like a lot of courage and I'm pretty sure that Exo Nicole saw that initiative and that was another reason why they wanted you so bad to work um, on the team yeah I definitely definitely would agree with that Um, I don't you know, I don't discount blogs and starting off a blog because I thought that was what I wanted to do too. But mm-hmm. for some reason, 
Lord knows my uh, consistency with that was just not not where it needed to be. I'm with you on that. (laughs) Just I don't know what it is. Like I I'm you know I'm in a different phase now where I'm like rethinking that again, just in a different Mm -hmm. way. But you know it's it's a lot easier when you do have someone you know either kicking you stories or kicking you assignments, or you know there's there's just a lot more incentive to do it when you have a good platform like Exo Nicole, like kind of rooting for you in your corner. It's a lot yeah. easier to be like, okay, well, let me pitch this person or, you know, y'all got some assignments for me. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just a lot easier when you have, have a team team behind you rather than you just doing it by yourself. Yeah. I, I would imagine I'm myself. I had several times in the past when I thought about starting a blog um, and I did have one at one point, but like you said, the consistency it requires and then having to actually build your own fan base uh, that's a that's a lot of work mm-hmm. and then you have to think about rankings and all these types of things so yeah. there's a lot that goes into that it definitely is I um I recently hopped on medium um to kind of sort of house some articles that you know didn't get published or some pieces that I just really want to write about but um I'm also really into fiction so I might kind of use that to just kind of house my fiction too um, but I just hopped on that and just trying to learn medium. And like you said, just the mm-hmm. rankings and trying to be a part of the curation and making sure your titles have SEO and keywords. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's some work. I'm, I'm on medium myself. I only have a few pieces, but, um, I do a lot of work in my full-time role with SEO and keywords and whatnot. And so like the last thing I want to do when I get off of work is do it again. (laughs) Right, right. That that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. So are you pitching, are you writing the same types of things on Medium? Like I know you say you're recycling any articles that didn't get published. Are you taking a spin and doing something other than that uh, besides that? And I know you said fiction. You're starting to get into that too. Yeah. Um, I was actually just having this conversation yesterday because when I say I literally just joined Medium, I mean like yesterday. Um, <laughs> so, but I did have have an interview I did with um, celebrity trainer Corey Kaye, um, Kaye. I really hope I'm not butchering his name too bad. Um, but he's Michael B. Jordan's trainer that got him ready for Creed and Black Panther. Okay. All um, right. Yeah. So I interviewed him a couple of years ago, but, you know, for I think it was some creative differences. It just didn't get picked up. Um, but I, I was really proud of that interview. And I, I really, really liked that interview. Um, so I just put it up on Medium. Um, but going forward, I'm not quite sure if if all of my writings will be celebrity based. I kind of want to kind of want to use that to explore, like I said, some of the fiction, because like when I tell you, I still have notebooks from when I was a kid and a teenager full of stories and me too <laughs> I still have stories in my head now like I have so many word documents up full of stories that I just want to flesh out like mm-hmm. I have a pilot written I have just so much so I feel like if I could maybe use that to try to get some of the stories that I don't or I'm not ready to pitch to like you know Netflix <laughs> mm-hmm. I could kind of you know use them to kind of flesh use medium to kind of flesh out those stories first and then hopefully gain some traction and attention and someone will see them and be like you know what this would make a great Netflix series that's a good strategy that's a really good strategy I have not thought about medium as like a 
a platform to really push fiction. But now that you say that it makes perfect sense because it's just a perfect community for all writers. Um, But I, I think I use it a lot for, you know, random stuff related to work and um, the different categories that they have that you sign up for in the beginning and they just curate that Mm -hmm. content. But I definitely can see that being a huge audience um, because you you can really build off of that so quickly on Medium if you start to learn the way that the rankings work. Exactly, exactly. At, At this point, I just, I need somewhere to get all these stories out because I think both me and my computer are tired of all these thousands of tabs open. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Tell me about one of your first experiences having to interview someone or prepare a piece that really made you nervous, like you were stressed out about it. How did you handle that? How did you manage your emotions and, and get through it? Oh, my gosh, I have two words for you. Luke James. (laughs) <laughs> two words luke james yeah i saw that article on your ex on the cold profile oh my gosh when i tell you one of my friends put me on his music i actually talk about this a little bit in the intro but my friend put me on to luke james's music a couple of years ago and i was hooked ever since like his his voice is just angelic he looks angelic with his hair and his skin tone. <laughs> I just think he's just the cutest thing. Um, and so I think at the time when I originally wanted to interview or try to get an interview with him, it was back around the time the new edition story had just came out and it was super popping and super popular. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the perfect time. Like he's he's hot. Like he was already hot, but I was like, he's hot right now. You know, this is Johnny Gill. Yeah. Like, you know. But nothing ever came. And I was like, oh, man, I keep pitching and pitching. And they didn't. I never got a response back until, what is this, 2020? I got a response late 2019. Mm -hmm. And they said yes, but in a couple of weeks. So they came back in January and said, okay, we'll do it, but give us a couple of weeks. A couple weeks went by and then it was about February-ish. And then we had it scheduled for like the next week. And then they literally emailed me the day of and was like, can we postpone? And I was like, oh my gosh, like what is life right now? (laughs) Right. So I thought it was going to be like, I was just like, God, you playing me right now. Like, this is not cool. Um, but then they came back like a week later and was like, okay, let's reschedule for this day. And like, I promise he's going to show up. And he did. And when I tell you that entire, the day of the re-reschedule, my stomach was doing all kinds of Simone Biles gymnastic tricks. Like (laughs) I was pacing the floor. I had to like shake, shake my shoulders out. I was like, oh my gosh, like this, he's, he's really coming. Like he, he's really going to be here. And I just remember hopping on the phone and she was like, okay, give me one second. I'm trying to connect Luke. And I was like, here they go again. They, they're going to play me, play me again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I was like, oh man, I didn't <laughs> got nervous, nervous for nothing. He ain't going to even show up. And then I heard a click and then I heard his voice and I had to literally stifle the internal scream that was like threatening to come out (laughs) and conduct myself, you know, like a professional, I guess. But that was definitely (laughs) the one, the one time where I was like, 
I am about to lose all my cool and tell him to marry me already. Like, <laughs> like forget the interview, Luke. What? Are, come on now. <laughs> so that that one yeah. was definitely, definitely very, very, very nerve wracking, but also very great. That's that's a that's a funny story to hear. Like you would think after you talk to so many you know, celebrities after a while, it just kind of becomes like routine, but there's always that one that yeah. gets you. There, there's always one because like I said, I it's different when you, it's different when you're like a really, really big fan of someone mm-hmm. and just someone like, I literally probably have listened to all of his disc- discography. Like I can probably sing any Luke James song you, you pull up and, like it's just it's different when you're like a really really big fan and the same yeah. with um with tank as well tank was also pretty nerve-wracking but mm-hmm. he was he was so cool like i couldn't even whatever nerves i had like he shot those down in the first two seconds because he felt like he was mm-hmm. like my uncle or somebody you know <laughs> <laughs> he was that, really that cool. has to be funny but you know what would be funny is to like meet your celebrity crush and they're just like oh you remind me of my little niece I would be so mad. <laughs> like, no, your nieces are not the ones you can marry. You exactly. can marry me. <laughs> Look, I have pictures of you on my wall. Listen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there are still, I mean, I have a whole list of people that I that I want to interview. And depending on who it is, the nerves, you know, will go up or down or just like, okay, well, you know, I've, I've talked to your colleague or I've talked to your coworker before and they say you're cool, so... Let me try to go in like real easy breezy. But like I said, every now and then you get that one. Yeah, I'm sure. So thinking about where you are now as an interviewer and where you started, how have you evolved? What strategies have you picked up or tricks of the trade? Woo child. Um, when I think about my first interview I did with John, it wasn't bad. Um, but I can clearly see the growth and I can clearly see, oh, mm-hmm. wow, I was very green. <laughs> we all look back on our careers and think that it yeah. was somewhere or another. <laughs> I'm like, oh, gosh, like I was really asking that or I was really formatting it in this way. Um, I definitely think I have learned learned the art of storytelling. It's an ever-growing process, but I definitely mm-hmm. think as time has progressed, I've gotten better at telling this person's story, that celebrity's story. Um, mm-hmm. And even inter interweaving my own personal experience with that celebrity or, you know, moments that I feel are relevant to the conversation that I have with that celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that's one area that I've evolved. Um, I think that just comes with a lot of, with a lot of reading. They say you're supposed to, you know, ingest, more, you know, input more than you output. So you're supposed to read more than you write. And I definitely do think that that's a large key, um, Mm -hmm. a major key in getting better as a writer, because when you read other people's perspective and when you read other people's artistry, it challenges you and it challenges what you know and how you know to do a certain thing. And you can, you know, eat the meat and spit out the bones, as my mom would like to say. You can take the pieces (laughs) that you feel work and right. you know discard the ones that don't for you personally right like mm-hmm. it obviously worked for that person because they got published but 
you know, it, some things may not resonate with you. So I think the more you read, the more you learn what you like, what you don't like, how to tell a story, how not to tell a story. And, you know, you just take the good and forget the rest. That's that's really that's a really good way to see it. Um, you know, take what works for you and then discard the rest and just use it to refine your process. And with something like um, interviewing and storytelling and, and how that's still storytelling, I like that you kind of brought that up because you hear that so much that, um, you know, you have to tell a story. And it's hard sometimes to apply that when you're not actually literally thinking about telling a story. Like once upon a time, this thing happened. Right, right, or, right. today at work, today this happened. But when you have to tell a story as an interview or um, I'm, I'm a UX writer, I'm a content strategist. So t- telling a story for a brand, um, you know, having to tell a story in a way that's like marketing like you it's hard to apply that concept so I'm glad that you brought that up because it's definitely a key part of any form of writing it doesn't matter what you're doing definitely and I think you know a large part of that even with you know your UX writing experience I think a large part of that really comes with opening your mind to redefine what storytelling is and what it can look exactly like. mm-hmm Because like you said, you really do get kind of boxed in. And I think it's just conditioning, right? Ever since we were little, Mm -hmm. we were always told a story starts once once upon a time and ends with, then they lived happily ever after. That's always been kind of the the box that we've put stories in. But, you know, and I I really did, I know I said, you know, read more than you write, but I also think watching movies too is is a good way to do it. And watching movies. Absolutely. Um, TV shows. And even I would even go so far as to say, like reading the scripts that Mm -hmm. they write, because I read a lot of TV scripts and a lot of movie scripts. And that will help you expand your mind as a writer, too, to, you know, show you there are different ways to tell the story. You don't have to get boxed in with telling it this one way or, you know, showcasing it this one way. You can really do it the way you want to do it, you know, so long as Mm -hmm. it makes sense to to the readers and so long as it can really, you know, tell the story properly you know what I'm saying right okay now that I know that you read scripts is there any particular writer in Hollywood or just period that you just stand or you spend a lot of time you know immersed in their work because they really inspire you or you know have you opened up your mind of new ways of approaching topics on a article front I definitely am a fan of Taylor Crumpton and oh, Shaniqua, Shaniqua Golding, Taylor Crompton. I'm also a fan of Kiara Kelly and uh, Danielle Young. I love those women because they know how to, they all cover different areas, but they kind of revolve around entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but they know how to talk about things at the intersection of entertainment and race or entertainment and politics or, you know, music and race, music, gender and politics. Like they know how to talk about it at the intersection. And Mm. do such great cultural analysis so i really do appreciate their work on that front um on a tv front i i mean who doesn't love Issa ray like oh my gosh <laughs> that is, i've been following her since aqua black girl mm-hmm. youtube series yes who doesn't who doesn't love her i recently came across the um the pilot pilot script for insecure 
And I was just, I was cracking up just reading the pilot. And I was like, I definitely see how this show got picked up because the, the pilot alone is hilarious. And this is mm-hmm. not even, you know, having Issa in the room to say her lines or, you know, whoever else in the room to say the lines. But you can gauge the humor just from how she writes. Mm-hmm. And I also love Donald Glover. I read the pilot for Atlanta and mm-hmm. <laughs> I love yes. Atlanta so much. Yes, it's such a well-executed show. I, I really do love that show. Um, so I I am a fan. And I also read, I think Donald Glover was supposed to do, I think there were talks that he was supposed to do, I don't know if it was a Deadpool series, TV series, or a Deadpool movie. He was going to be one of the writers on like the second, second or third Deadpool. Mm, I can see that. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know whether it was a script for a TV series But that got leaked online and I remember downloading it and reading it. And I was just like, this is hilarious. Like I, someone please produce this. Cause it was just so Mm -hmm. funny the way Donald just writes his stuff and like comes up with his jokes and his comedic time. And I really, I really did enjoy it. So those are definitely on a, on a TV and movie front and also Barry Jenkins, just because it's just beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad that you um, mentioned Donald Glover. I don't know why I I sometimes, I guess I get so used to thinking about him as Childish Gambino. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget that he is a very, very talented writer. (laughs) I want, I wanted to say, like, I was thinking in the back of my mind, I was like, I keep calling him by his government name. I need to call him by his stage name. Well, the, I'm sure when he, um, his writer credits, he uses his government name, right? Doesn't he? I think Police so. Though, yeah. On Atlanta, yeah, it's yeah. Donald Glover. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So are there any particular milestones or uh, goals that you have along the way as you kind of plan out your writing career? Um, you know, thinking about the people that you are kind of aspiring to, I don't want to say be like them, but you're aspiring to adapt some of their techniques into your own. It's like your mom said, take the meat. What does it take the meat? Eat the, the meat and spit the bone. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I've had a lot of people a lot of people kind of put me in the the Oprah category saying that they could kind of see a trajectory similar to hers. Um, mm. I do definitely, definitely appreciate that. And I do definitely um, I think that her journey and, you know, where she's evolved to and how she's evolved is astronomical and amazing. Um, so I definitely like the idea of maybe one day having a talk show. Um, I think that would be really great. Um, but like I said earlier, I'm really into trying to figure out how to take all these characters and stories out of my head and onto something else. So mm-hmm. I would really love to, and that's what I've started dabbling in now, I'd really love to just get into screenwriting more and, um, you know, write some TV shows and write a couple movies and do things of that nature. Because like I said, I... I always have had characters and stories. And I mean, I renamed cashiers at Chili's. Like, they'll walk up to me and introduce themselves. And I'm like, you know who you look like? A Doug. You don't look like a Jake. You look like a Doug. Like, that's always just kind of been how my brain works. I'm like, no, nah, you look like 
your Doug who, you know, got two little, little brothers at home that you got to go provide for. Like, I got a whole backstory and everything. You created. Yeah. created a whole life for them. My whole life. And they're like, I literally just asked you for your drink. That's it. So <laughs> it's always been been that kind of way that my brain works. So I definitely need to try to house that and put that somewhere. Um, but as far as like on an interview front, I mean, there's there's so many people I still want to interview. Oprah is definitely the queen of interviews. So mm-hmm. there's a way I could just be in the same room. I would probably freak out. Um, <laughs> her, of course, Michelle Obama, President Obama. I call him OB yes. personally. Um, <laughs> that's your boy. You know him. <laughs> yeah, that's my boy, Obizi. I love him. Um, they would be great. Um, super duper duper love Tracy Ellis Ross and Gabrielle Union. Those are my two favorite mm-hmm. celebrities of all time. Yes. Um. Oh, oh my gosh, I love them. Um, on a musical front, I would definitely love to interview Ari Lennox and Lucky Day, though. Because Lucky I am- Day, I oh my gosh, I am standing him so hard right so now. So hard, right? Love him. He's just amazing. His energy is everything. So I yes. really think that would be. I think if if I got the people on that list, I think I could probably stop. I'd I'd probably be like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm I'm good to go. Yeah. So you have you have those you have to check off. So it's a lot of people in between some of those. So oh, yeah, a full <laughs> career people. <laughs> <laughs> full career. A full career. Hopefully a long lasting one on, on both fronts, yes. right? That front yes. and, and the screenwriting front. So we'll see where it goes. You never know. They may merge. That uh, you know, that screenwriting you know, turns into something and then your experience doing some interviews with celebs helps that screenwriting um turn into a full career in Hollywood. Listen, so, I'm not going to, whatever way God wants to do it, manifest. I'm going to let him do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how are you managing your personal brand along the way? Like, clearly you have to uh, ha- establish a presence. As you've already said, people have compared you to, uh, you know, a, a similar trajectory to Oprah's. So it, uh, clearly Exo Nicole thinks highly of you. So you must be doing an excellent job in managing your personal brand. Uh, it's managing my personal brand is really something I'm very intentional about. Um, mm-hmm. I really... And it really even started before I was a writer because my mom, she's a probably 20 plus year high level professional in the IT field. So Mm. she's very much always been when I tell you like professional, like super professional. So she's always been on me about, you know, making sure my online presence was top notch, nothing crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you said something, you know, in 2012, I bet you better go find it and, you know, scrub it up, dub, (laughs) you know, because the the Internet lives forever. Right. So that's real. That's real. She's just like she's always, always, uh, you know, stress the importance of me making sure I kept my online presence very, very tidy and very top notch because you just never know who's watching. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that's a sentiment I've definitely carried with me over the years. Um. Like I said, I'm just very intentional. I'm very picky, a little picky about who I connect with, what things I put on my personal pages. Um, I'll tell you right now, mm-hmm. like I, the way I treat my Instagram and Twitter versus my Facebook are two totally different things. Um, uh, yeah, two different audiences. 
two three different audiences but for yeah, me three. my mm-hmm. facebook is very personal like there's people i went to school with it's you know church friends mm-hmm. it's to me that's a very very personal hub so i try and i, I have a very um it's you know there's there's a saying that says women have spaghetti brains and men have waffle brains basically to say that men have to compartmentalize a lot of things yeah whereas women it's kind of all over the place but they all connect somehow mm-hmm. i would like to think i'm actually in the waffle part um mm-hmm. because i don't like for certain worlds to intersect Mm-hmm. I have, you know, work and church and things like that. Like those have to be separate. Those are in separate boxes. And so when it comes yeah. to my personal brand versus, you know, something like my Facebook, where, like I said, it's people I went to school with, you know, church people. I don't want those two to intersect. I need those to be two separate things because who I am, you know, as a brand is different, it's slightly different from who I am as a person. Because mm-hmm. there are only so much things you can say on the internet before somebody tries to drag you or yes. come for you or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, and it's, it, there's not a lot of room for nuance um, on social media a lot of the time. So Facebook is kind of like my safe space. So I don't really like to put that anywhere. But as far as like, you know, my podcast, my writing, I'm very, very particular about the image I put forth because number one, I don't want to look mediocre. I that has never been me. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, even if I am a novice, like I said, because I've only been writing about three years. So even if I am a novice, you're not going to be able to tell. Like, right? I don't ever want to portray that. I just, you know, I just got here yesterday. That's never been me. I don't ever want to want to do that. Um, And I've actually been blessed to know a couple of like influencer friends and, you know, people who are kind of on that. So I take cues from them to kind of curate stuff to look a certain way that way. Like you said, you never know what door will open or how certain things will, you know, come about. So I try to make sure that my personal brand always stays pretty positive, pretty light and pretty concise to where you know exactly what you get when you when you look me up. Okay, okay, that's. That is very insightful how intentional you are for each platform um, and how you manage those things. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I guess I, I have a little bit of waffle brain, too, because I like <laughs> to keep things uh, very separate. But even my Facebook brand, um, I always joke with my guy, I'm, you know, he wants to post a picture or something. And I'm like, that doesn't go with yes. my personal brand. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. he'll say something and tag me in it. And I'm like, no, don't take me out. That post. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> my friends used to always laugh because like we would, it would, just, it didn't matter. Right. We, we could be doing a sleepover or just like going out to get something. And I'd be like, okay, so like, how are we like, what's, what's the dress code? Like, what are we doing? Are we going for chill? Are we going for, and they're like, yeah, it's just real chill. But then see their definition of chill versus my definition of chill is always like two different types of chill. Like I'll still show up with a beat face and like my hair laid and they'll be like, we're just going to Walmart. Like, yes. Why are you like this? (laughs) I am am that friend also. I am totally that friend. It doesn't matter how hard I try. I always overdress. I always overdo it. It's like, like, that's your brand. (laughs) That's my brand. Yeah. That's my brand. It's like, you know, and I'll, I'll show up somewhere and someone else will show up really casual and they're like, you should have wear this. I'm like, girl, I will wear that to Kroger. I'm not, 
right 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 (laughs) yeah that's yeah and it, it definitely goes back to even like you said people tagging you in photos like that's why i said i have a bit more leniency when it comes to facebook i still am not always like oh my god yeah like post whatever that's not me yeah. Um, but I am a bit more lenient and gracious on Facebook, but when it comes to like Instagram, nah, like mm-hmm. I got to no, nah, I got a whole, <laughs> my brain has a whole little, little way I want that to look. So I'm like, let me look at it first. Yeah. Nah, delete that. <laughs> yeah. I understand that, especially in your line of work where you're constantly dealing with celebrities who have these very polished images a lot of times of themselves, if they're managing their social media, you know. Someone else could be managing it. Um, so when they do stumble across your profiles or anything they see, you definitely want it to be up to par. Yeah. And, you know, the your online reputation oftentimes speaks before you do. Yeah. Say that again. For so sure. So you don't ever, and I can speak for nobody else, I don't ever want to come across a certain type of way that is the exact opposite of who I am when I hop on the phone with you or who I am when we mm-hmm. do email correspondence. I don't ever want to do that. I don't want you thinking that, you know, I just, I always want the two to match. Like what you see mm-hmm. online is what is exactly what you're going to get, you know, in mm-hmm. email or in DM or on the phone. Like I'm not, I try to be one way all the time, but you know, you got to polish it up when you got to do something a bit more professional. But then, you know, that's why you have inst- things like Facebook where you can be a bit more relaxed, a bit more yourself. And and even Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, I let all my jokes fly on Twitter. Like it's it's not it's Twitter and my Instagram mm-hmm. stories. If you want the jokes, that's that's where I go. You won't see them on my page because <laughs> I need that to look a certain way. But yeah, if you ever want to get entertained, just go to Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna let the jokes fly on Twitter. Yeah, I know, I see like there I'm still trying to understand the different nuances in identity for Twitter versus Facebook, IG and Snap. And I think that's because I didn't catch on to the Twitter way when it first started. Hmm. I was I was very much a married mom in college and kind of in that world with like tiny humans. Right. <laughs> so right. I just didn't catch that wave. And so now I'm kind of trying to get into the Twitter world and I'm just like, I just feel so behind. <laughs> Twitter is a beast. It's, um, but it's so funny, like that app. And whenever you find, like it's a real destination, but whenever you find black Twitter, you'll know. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll know you're there and you'll, y- yeah, you'll know. Yeah, I, and I do know from following you online that you are pretty active on Black Twitter, particularly. <laughs> so that that brings me to another point. How do you feel like your work um, impacts the Black community? Especially, not only are you a Black creative, but you write for a predominantly you know Black site, and you're very active in a lot of Black communities and initiatives for diversity and inclusion. Um, I think one of the ways that my work impacts it is the fact that I'm aiding in amplifying and telling our stories. Mm. You know, like you said, Exo Nicole is a predominantly all black publication. You know, mm-hmm. the editor in chief, Nicole, she's black. Uh, all the staff are mostly black women. I think there's a couple of black men, but the staff is mm-hmm. mostly black women. Our readers are about 95% black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Exxon Nicole got acquired by Will Packer Media. Will Packer is black. 
you know, the executive suite in his company is mostly black and, you know, Mm -hmm. black men, brown women, black women. Like it's. And I think that really helps with doing the work, too, when, you know, the people backing you look like you and the people backing you care Mm -hmm. about carefully telling our stories. Yes. So. I think that's one of the ways that I that I think, you know, some of the work that I do, even though I, I try to play myself a little bit and be like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm just talking to celebrities and, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal. But then, you know, I have a good group of girlfriends that remind me like, no, like these are our celebs. These are you yes. know, our projects that they're doing. These are our music, you know, that they're singing and that they're writing. That's This is yes. our art. Yes. So you're not just just talking to a celebrity no like you're you're really you know helping like I said helping to amplify their stories and their works and things like that because I honestly feel like if we don't do it who's gonna do it like say that again who who is gonna do it like we only have a select few I was actually just talking to my mom about this the other day um I remember having a conversation with someone some years back and I think when I was first starting writing and they asked me you know in an ideal world who would you want to write for? Mm. And I told them at the time that I wanted to write for a publication that predominantly served black women or wrote about black women's interests and their needs and their wants and things like that. And they were like, well, why black <laughs> women? And I was like, why not? <laughs> right. I Number one, I am a black woman. Mm-hmm. Number two, I can only name on one hand the amount of outlets and publications that strictly serve Black women and black women only. Yes. So I was like, I don't think that's far-fetched of me to want to write for a publication that seeks to put me first and other people who look like me first. Finally. Because for so long, we have not been put first. Our interests and our needs and our desires and our, you know, critiques have not been on the forefront. Mm -hmm. They haven't been, quote unquote, mainstream. So yeah. I always felt like it was important for me to be aligned with a company or a publication or outlet or multiple publications or outlets that that is one of their main goals. If that's not like if that's not a main goal and if that's not like their model, what they strive to do, I don't. And this is just, you know, black people in general now, you know, with mm-hmm. Exo Nicole, it is a black women's lifestyle site. So I do get that uh, large bit of satisfaction writing for them. But just black people in general. Yes. And like I said, our art, our lives, our livelihood, our interests and wants and needs. If that's not a part of a company's motto or they're, you know, a part of how they value their stuff, I don't want to be there. I just mm-hmm. don't. I, I really yeah. don't. Yeah, I understand that. Like you, you want to go and be a part of something that is bigger than you. And that is for your people. I recently finished reading Heavy by uh, Kisei Lehman. <laughs> he says his name so many times in the book. Uh, you would think I would know how to pronounce it by now. <laughs> um, but I'm in this like book club and like he he actually came and, and spoke to us and we talked through the book. But he has this really good quote um, when, when this influential black woman is always an influential black woman that's putting some knowledge in somebody's life. And she sat down and told him as a writer, she said, you need to write. Or into our people. 
pour into our people. And it's, it was this idea of writing beyond the white gaze. Yes. You need to be writing for and to us. Don't excuse anything you say in your writing. Don't mask it. Don't try to mute your experiences and make them more palatable for the mainstream audience. It's not for them. And you yes. can tell he really took that and ran with it. And the book, that's a plug for heavy. Um, <laughs> no endorsement. I just want to plug that book. Um, but like that has really just stuck with me since reading that and, and how important it is as writers to really write beyond the white gaze and write for us and to us. Yes, I definitely. Oh, my gosh. I resonate with that so deeply. It reminds me of, um, I think there was a video or one of the main critiques about Toni Morrison, God rest her soul, love mm-hmm. you, Toni. Um, one of the critiques about her was that a lot of her writing did not center the white the white gaze. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for white people, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. like at all. And it wasn't about white people at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me, knowing that about Toni, it actually reminds me of a quote that I recently did on my podcast. Shout out to the chat podcast. Um, It was a quote by bell hooks that said, no black woman writer can write too much. Alas, no woman can write too much. Like there is never such thing as writing too much when it comes to a woman or when it comes to a black woman specifically. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you, I, I literally like jumped out of my chair because oh, like she's exactly right. Mm-hmm. We have to write, like you said, to and for us because, again, who's going to do it if we don't? Yes. Who's going to put us first? Who's going to, you know, figure out, you know, the ins and outs of how we look at the world? Who's going to explore, you know, the lens at which we see things? Who's going to do that if not us? Mm-hmm. And then who's going to do it with as much care? Yes. If not us? Yes. Who's going to tell our stories? It, no, I don't think anyone can fully capture it unless they've lived it and they know it and it's in their blood and it's in their community and they grew up with it and they were raised with it because it's their parents and their family. Like we are us. So we have to capture those stories and share those stories and inspire each other. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. Okay, so as we get ready to wrap up, thank you for spending so much time talking with us. And you've already dropped so many nuggets in the conversation. What advice do you have for aspiring creatives looking to write, not just for popular publications, but just, as you said earlier, storytelling in a nonfiction setting or fiction? Because since I know now that you do fiction as well. Um, I would tell them that whatever story is in your heart and is in your head and whatever story um, that doesn't leave you, if you wake up in the morning and that story is still sitting in your head, it's still sitting in your heart, it's worth Mm. exploring. Yes. If you have, and this is like a little bit more on the advice front, I think that was more of of on the motivational front, but if you have a spark of a story, write it down immediately. Don't sit on Mm -hmm. it. Don't don't think that it's going to come to you later. Write it down. I don't care if it's two in the morning and you're about to drift off to sleep. Write it down. Yes. You're going to be mad at yourself if you don't. Yes. And a lot of my best ideas have come literally as I'm drifting off to sleep. And I have to purposely wake myself up and like grab my phone and open the notes pad and write it down really quickly. It might be a bit, you know, jumbled up and the words might not be spelled correctly (laughs) because it's late. 
but you at least got it out. Yeah, you got to get it down. I would definitely say that much. But like I said, if that story is still in your head and your heart, it's worth telling. And it's important to somebody, not just you. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also say that you need to trust yourself. I think for a lot of Black creatives, we just... We deal with imposter syndrome, I feel like, more than yes, more than any other regular creative um, mm-hmm. because we've just been gaslit as a community for so long. Um, mm-hmm. We've been downtrodden. We've been, you know, deceived, belittled, insert any other bad adjective you want to put there. Like, we've experienced it. And I think that definitely plays a large role on our psyche and how we view ourselves and how we value our voice. Mm. So I definitely think that you should find a way to trust yourself more and to trust what's on the inside of you. Um, because I, I don't just think things appear. I think things are, are placed inside all of us. And I think that largely that we are all called in some way. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes is, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm. So I honestly believe, again, we are all called in some way, shape or form. And I think it's up to all of us to tap into that and Mm -hmm. again, figure out a way to trust that calling, lean into whatever direction it takes us and fully go for it and not look back, not make excuses, not try to explain it, not try to painted up in a way like you said that's more palatable for someone else we really have to lean into it and just go full speed ahead in it because i hate to say it i hope i don't sound ridiculous but again if we don't who will yeah if we don't who will yes say that again you have left us with a word on that (laughs) if you didn't hear it again she said if we don't who will and this podcast was designed to and for and from a black person okay (laughs) period point blank period (laughs) so how can people find you online to keep pace with your creative journey um if you want to keep pace with my creative journey you can connect with me on twitter and instagram at chanel janae um, that's S-H-A-N-E-L-L-E-G-E-N-A-I. Again, if you want more jokes than writing, really follow me <laughs> on Twitter. Um, but if you just want to, you know, keep up with the creative work, either either platform will do. Um, you can also tune into the chat podcast, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are streamed. Um, and you can get a little bit more of my informal interviews there, a lot more entertainment-centered um commentary is also there as well yes very entertaining i've listened to a couple of your episodes and you have me cracking up it is it's worth it It feels like having a conversation with a good friend and your friend is just like talking and you're just like girl you crazy that's exactly that's exactly (laughs) what i wanted it to be when i tell people like a lot of people ask me they're like so is your podcast like you're right i'm like no my podcast is super informal (laughs) super informal i don't want I didn't want any filters, any, you know, rigid structure. I didn't want none of that. Mm-hmm. None of it at all. So, yeah, if yeah. that's your thing, definitely tune in. Yeah, it's it's working for you. It's working for you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us again. Of course, of course.
I hope y'all were feeling that episode because I was feeling it. I feel like we had one of those black sisterhood, just black collective moments towards the end of the show. So as usual, if you're on the go, didn't have time to take notes. I got you. I'm going to give you my five key takeaways from this episode. You can always catch them in text form on blackseconative.com on Chanel's episode. So first, it's all about the approach. Never be afraid to reach out to someone for a chat. If you present yourself professionally, you'll get in the door. It's just that simple. Number two, create a space where you can dwell unapologetically. Chanel had to create a space outside of work for her to do more work that was true to her, her career goals, and even going as far as creating a podcast where she could speak more casually and discuss topics that interested her. So outside of work, she wanted to explore fiction. So she took the time to do that. And she's currently growing that brand. Number three, create art to and for your people. I'm going to say that again. You probably have heard this five times now in this episode. Create art to and for your people, even if you're in a genre that you feel isn't heavily dominated by black folks. Still speak to us because we are out here. You don't know who you may inspire. You don't know who else is just like you trying to enter that space. And they're looking for you to set the example to be the first because they're not quite there yet. You are never the only black person who does X. So the more that you can speak about that and reach out and inspire people, the more we can enter these fields, we can grow. We can start to write in genres where people don't think we belong. We start to explore and straddle these different categories. We already are doing that as a whole, right? Uh, we're creating genreless music. We're creating genreless movies. Shout out to Jordan Peele. Number four, manage your social in a way that works for your brand. Sometimes there's such a push to get onto social media, you may find yourself pushing boundaries to stay relevant. Chanel was very intentional about saying that she is not going to have anything on her brand and her brand differs per platform as it should because you're reaching different audiences. So move at a pace that works for your brand. And if you don't want to do your social media stuff, if that's not your thing, hire someone to do it for you, for your business. And lastly, give yourself some grace. Where you start on day one of your journey is not where you'll be on day 100 or day 396 or day 478 of your journey. Allow yourself space to grow. Chanel talked a lot about how she got into interviewing and where she is now and how she's evolved so much with techniques, approaches, strategies along the way. And now she's flourishing from being an interviewer and taking this journalistic approach to writing to being more of a fiction creative writer. And it's all still a part of that process of living your own journey, walking your truth and gravitating to things that most appeal to you outside of just what you do every day. What do you want to do? What is your end goal? So those are my five key takeaways. If you found something else that was just like, man, she really should have highlighted this. Let me know. Leave some feedback. Hit your girl up online. Thanks for listening to another episode of Black Executive. Until next week, keep aspiring to inspire. Thanks for listening to another episode of Black Executive. If you enjoyed listening in on this convo, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Executive. Have something to add to the conversation? Visit BlackExecutive.com to leave feedback and your thoughts could be featured on a later episode. While you're there, pick up your exclusive Black Executive gear and rep the culture. And spread the knowledge. 
If you know a black creative trying to go pro, a corporate mogul looking to advance, or a cousin that's always hustling but never gets an idea going, drop them a link to the show. Until next time, keep aspiring to inspire.